Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. I believe that God's doing something supernatural in our city. Amen. Amen. And I want to be in the middle of what he's doing. We're, we are, there, is some, there is a stirring taking place. We are at the, and I'm not just saying in Akron in general, but I believe at the, in the body of Christ at large, we, there is a stirring, there is an awakening that's happening. And I don't want to be on the outside. I am not preaching. I love my church series tonight, by the way. Okay. <laughs> but the, but I, I believe that. I, I fully believe that. That there is, there is a stirring. And so I'm starting um, a series on Wednesday nights, teaching series, to lay the foundation, to lay the groundwork for whatever is happening. <laughs> um, I, I was having a conversation with someone this week, it was interesting, um, about this very thing, about the, the, the whole, our whole hour and a half conversation was about revival in Akron, and how God in, in 2003 told them to come back to Akron because to believe for revival. And so they've been, they've been hanging out here in Akron when they could be anywhere else <laughs> because God said, come back and believe for revival. And I said, well, that's a, that's a funny story because that's why we're here. <laughs> we, moved, we moved from New Orleans with the sole purpose of seeing revival in Akron and the Great Lakes. Some of you may, may not know this. Actually, our, our Acts 1-8, if you go out in the foyer, our Acts 1-8 theme, that's our mission, that's our vision statement, Acts 1-8. And on our, on our graphics for Acts 1-8, if you look inside the graphics, it's not just Ohio in that, in that picture. God gave us a vision before we moved here to believe for an awakening in the Great Lakes. And he specifically showed us the states and cities to believe for Great Lakes awakening. And so in, in our logo, you'll see, or in, our, in that... Acts 1-8 vision, you'll see all states around the Great Lakes pictured. Why? Because we be, we're believing for Great Lakes awakening. And that's, that's why we're here. That's why, I, that's, why, that's why Celebration's here. That's why, that's why Pastor Zach and Heather are here. It's why God brought us here, to believe God for revival. We don't want church as usual. I've had church as usual. Doesn't go well. <laughs> Doesn't go well. You can have church as usual, and and that's fine. And there are many churches that will do that, and they'll continue to do that, and that will continue to happen until Jesus comes back. There will be church as usual. There'll probably be church as usual after Jesus comes back, <laughs> and they won't know that they missed it. They'll just be completely clueless. Yeah. So tonight, I want to start this teaching called Holy Fire, and I pray that you'll get a hold of some holy fire. <laughs> I hope like Jeremiah, by the end of this thing, you'll, you'll have fire shut up in your bones. You'll have a deeper understanding of what revival is and what it is not, 
and you'll have some direction. The reason I feel like that I need to teach this, like I said, is to lay some foundation for revival. We're experiencing in our church, there, there's a stirring that's happening. If you hadn't noticed, there's a stirring that's been happening at Celebration. Uh, and I would say on some levels, we've, we've been revived We're, or are being revived. You, you know, what you see today in service is not what it was two years ago. And Alicia's laughing because she was a part of that process of <laughs> change. <laughs> she knows all about it. What, what, what God has done is he's breathed new life into a church. And, and this is just, it's just the almond tree, if you will. It's just the, it's just the foretaste. The almond tree in the, in the Israel, Israelites' Jewish culture, it's a foreshadowing sign. It's a sign of things to come. They knew when the harvest was going to be because the almond tree began to bud. And the same is true in us. I believe that what we've seen is it's an almond tree. It's an almond branch. It's a budding of things to come. It's a sign of things to come. But we haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> we've, really, we've, we've not even scratched the surface yet of what God wants to do. And so I want to I lay on Wednesday nights a foundation, a groundwork for what God is doing so we know how to move and cooperate with God. Amen. I want to know. I want to know how to cooperate with God. I want to know how to get in the flow of what he's doing and cooperate and yield with him. And so I want to take a look at some of these things tonight and for the next couple of weeks. Heather and I have lived in a place of revival. We've ministered in revival services, revival settings, not just scheduled meetings, but, you know, uh, our church background is revival. And, and we're, very, we're very familiar with revival. And, and I, I don't want to say we know it all because we don't. But, and, and God will always surprise us. And we want to be surprised. That's the whole point. <laughs> but uh, but we've, been, we've been around long enough in revival settings and have studied revival and love studying revival history that we, we kind of have a, a foundation for understanding what is God and how he moves and how he operates in the sense of revival. And so I want to share some of these things and lay groundwork for what's to come. So you should have received a handout. I love handouts on Wednesday nights uh, because I do a lot of in-depth teaching and I want you to be able to take it home with you. If you do not have a handout, if you'll raise your hand, Alicia will make sure that you get one. Thanks, Alicia. And I'm going to jump, just so you know, because of, the, because of this being more of an in-depth teaching, I'm going to jump all over Scripture. So hopefully you're ready for that. Amen? So I want to take a look tonight at, a, at the signs of a move of God. And how do you identify and define revival? What is revival? Well, let's define revival. Well, let's start by saying what revival is not. Revival is not a scheduled event. Revival is not a scheduled event. In other words, you know, many times, especially if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably been in revival meetings, scheduled revival meetings. Let's have us a revival. And we have some good foot stomping services and we sing the songs we want to sing and bless the Lord. We had, we had revival. <laughs> no, what you had was a series of meetings. <laughs> 
And those meetings were probably great meetings. It's, you know, there's nothing, I'm not knocking those meetings. I'm not saying anything bad about those meetings. I've been in, I've been in great revival scheduled meetings. I've been in extended revival meetings. I've been in meetings where, where we've started and uh, we had a set schedule that we were going to go for three days and it, they've ended up going five weeks or whatever period of time. But, and, and I've seen God move and do powerful things in those meetings. So I'm not, I'm not speaking negatively of those things, but that's not the genuine definition of revival. I don't believe that God does, does I, I don't believe that revival is ever intended to end. I, don't, I think that God wants us to live in a continual state of awakening. I believe that God wants us to live in a continual state of revival. What happens or tends to happen if you go through history and you take a look at revival history, the reason that, that outpourings or moves, supernatural sovereign moves of God tend to wane or stop is because flesh gets involved. Flesh gets involved. Man steps in. Man comes into the picture and, and people uh, try, to, try to harness, they, they try to camp out on what God's doing instead of moving with the direction that the Lord's going. Uh, we've seen this, you can look through, I won't take the time to go through the, the history, but, but if you go through and you study history, revival history, you'll see that. That all the revivals that have ever been and waned uh, have been because man has had something to do with it. I'll, I'll, well, I'll use one recent example. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with Browns, the Brownsville revival in Pensacola. Powerful revival. It was, you know, the, it was characterized by by mass salvations, and and people falling on the floor. That was where a lot of people knew it by. The people fell on the floor, and there was supernatural salvation happening. Uh, but what what caused things to begin to wane was because there was a there was a dissension in leadership, and the there was. Uh, some denominational leadership involved in some decision making, and there was some local church leadership involved in decision making. I'm trying to give you the polite version of it, and uh, and as a result of those decisions and some processes in place, there was a split that happened over over decisions that were made, and it caused it caused dissension and strife, which always immediately will kill revival when you allow dissension and strife to come in. And so that's, that's what happened. And so we can learn from those things. So revival is, by definition, means to bring back to life. It means to refresh, rejuvenate. Means to show, 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 wow. Show signs of spiritual life and productivity. Means to be brought to full health. It would do me no good to be revived Physically, if I were dead, it would do me no good to have someone come do CPR on me and revive me if I was missing my leg and, and nobody was taking care of a missing uh, uh, leg, you know. So I need, if I'm going to be revived physically, I have to have somebody taking care of my loss of leg so I don't die again, right? You all follow? Try to make it nice. So we've, we likewise as believers... And in church and, and individually, corporately and individually, if we're to be revived, God is after our whole health, our entire spiritual health, spirit, soul, body. 
so that we can sustain what he's doing, so we can yield to and be a part of and not find ourselves unhealthy or dying again. So he's after the whole health of us, our, of our church and individually. Some scriptures we see, there's a whole lot of scriptures about refresh, renew, revive, seasons of refreshing. These are just some. Uh, that I'll give to you. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And so Luke's writing about seasons of refreshing, seasons of revival, seasons of renewal. That there, there are waves, and I'll, I'll use this scripture to illustrate this. You know, I said earlier, I don't think that that the intention of God is for revival to ever cease, but there are seasons of levels and degrees of revival. And this is kind of what Luke is alluding to here, that there are seasons of refreshing. There are some seasons in revival that it's like a tidal wave and you'll, you'll be in meetings, God's moving, he's doing a supernatural work and you'll feel like you are absolutely in a tidal wave of the presence of the Lord and, and, Preaching and ministering in those services types of meetings is like trying to preach or minister in a hurricane or a tornado. It's you're, you're just you're in the flow of it, and whatever God does, you're just kind of at the mercy of the tornado. And then there's times and the seasons of of what God's doing that it lessens and it becomes more of a gentle breeze or a gentle whisper, and. God does all sorts of things, and there's all sorts of seasons. We can't begin to box God in and say, well, you got to do it like this and it's got to look like this. As believers, we have to flow with the season of what God's doing and what he's speaking and how he's moving. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Pretty simple. Now, let me just pause here. We often read this scripture and we come up with our task list. I got to pray. I got to humble myself. I got to seek his face. I got to turn. I got to do. 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 And we just become like the Energizer Bunny rabbit. Do, 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 do. And this verse, if you take this verse and you begin to put it in your carnal mind and process it, you've just got a task list on how to create revival. Let me just pause and say here this. You cannot create revival. There is not a formula that you can plug in A plus B plus C is going to equate revival. The minute that you do that is the minute that man gets his hands, flesh tries to get on what God's doing. This is not a recipe for revival. What this is, is a mirror for Christians to say, if I'm born again, I ought to be a person of prayer. I ought to be humbling myself. I ought to be turning from my wicked ways and seeking the face of God. And if I'm not doing those things, then I need to have a Holy Ghost checkup. This is, this is, a, this is a checkup from the Lord, if you will. This is, a, this is a list of health for us to take a look at our spiritual lives. If, if I'm healthy... This is what a healthy Christian looks like. This isn't recipe for revival. This is health 101 for the believer. And if you're not healthy, how do you know you're not healthy? You're missing some of these things in your life. And so if you want to be healthy, if you want to be revived, are you with me? We need to say, okay, God, I'm not very humble. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm having humility issues here lately, Lord. So can you, can you humble me? <laughs> can you help me be humble? Because I'm not healthy in that area. You all hear what I'm saying tonight. Next verse. John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is a great verse, again, that illustrates what I just said. There are no formulas that create revival. You and I have to step in to the wind of the Spirit and be willing to be blown wherever He wants to go. That doesn't look like this. We, we call that spiritual constipation, by the way. You don't want to be a spiritually constipated Christian. You want, to be, you want to be free in the Holy Ghost to blow wherever he decides to blow, you know. Now, somebody's going to look at me and say, well, I thought I was supposed to be grounded in the love of God. Trust me, if you're blowing where the Spirit blows, you'll be pretty grounded. We, start, we, we get worried that, understand this, maturity and the definition of spiritual maturity is based on your ability to yield to the Spirit, not whether or not, this is not talking about spiritually flighty people. This has nothing to do with spiritual flighty people. That's, this is what a lot of Christians start thinking, well, I don't want to be you know, being, being blown around by the Spirit sounds like I'm becoming spiritually flighty and, and I'm, I'm becoming a, a spiritual nut, nutcase. No, that not, has nothing to do with this. As this. This verse has nothing to do with that. The more that you learn to yield to the Spirit, the more mature that you become in the Spirit. You see, we've, we get our, we get our uh, facts a little mis, mixed up in the Bible. We start setting what balance is instead of allowing God to set balance. In most churches, if we, if we set the balance, in most churches, the book of Acts would be absolutely extreme, Christianity. But the book of Acts is normal Christianity. Hello. The signs and the wonders. And I don't know about you, but when was the last time someone fell dead because they lied to the Holy Ghost in our church? When's the last time you saw somebody teleport from here to over yonder and minister to somebody? You know, that's what happened with Philip. He was standing there and whoop, there he went. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. I mean, he just went. He went and he ministered, you know. And we think those things, that we think those are, now, you know, those aren't common occurrences in the book of Acts, but they happened. And we would think that, wow, that's extreme Christianity. No, that was normal life for them. That was normal life in the book of Acts. Psalms 85 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Habakkuk 3.2 says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of years. In other words, renew your work in our days. Do it again, Lord. <laughs> That's what Habakkuk's saying. Lord, Lord, what I've heard, what I've heard, what I've been told about, Lord, would you do it in my day? Lord, would you do it in my generation? Lord, I don't want to just hear about Azusa Street. I don't want to hear just about the Great Awakening. I don't want to just hear about what happened in 94, 95, and the 1700s. I don't want to just hear about all these moves, sovereign moves. Lord, I want to see it. I want to live it. I want it to be a part of my day. I want it to happen in my generation. 
As long as you're content to live without revival, you will. As long as you're content to live without it, you will. But if you're hungry and you're desperate for a sovereign move of God and, you're, and, and your heart longs for a greater revelation of the glory of God, you'll see what your expectation is set at. God will always meet. God will always meet your level of expectation. Why do we live in a place of revival? Why, when we get here two years ago, we expected nothing less than a church to, to be turned upside down? Why would we expect nothing less? Because I know God. I know him, and I know I've heard his voice. We knew from day one, the minute I sent send on my email with my resume, the Lord said, as soon as I hit send on my email, he said, you're moving to Akron. I knew, we knew from day one we were headed this way. Every phone call with, you can ask the selection committee, every phone call, we said, we said, we heard from the Lord. We knew we were coming and we knew that God's plan was for revival. We knew that God's, why? We heard from the Lord. We had direction from the, from the Lord. And so when we got here, why did we expect nothing less? Why would I get here and expect nothing less than an awakening in the Great Lakes? Why would I expect nothing less than to see Joanna, who is bound up by depression, laughing hysterically as God liberated her? Her words, not mine. Why would I expect nothing less to see Kathy Campisi get up and testify about how she has the joy of the Lord and she's praying in the Spirit and she's forgiving people and God's setting her? Why would I expect nothing less? Why would I expect nothing less that then Paulette got healed from COPD and, and her back got healed? Why would I expect nothing less to see Jen, who is her own words, the Samaritan woman, finding her five little husbands and doing what she shouldn't be doing. And now she's, now she's reaching the city and singing the love of Jesus. Why would I expect nothing less? That's awakening. It's revival. Hallelujah. Well, now that I'm just getting rolling, I'm going to have to wrap it up. <laughs> we worship too long. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. Let, can I give you a couple of these points? At least one. Can I just give you one? Now that you have the, the notes in front of you. So a proper, a proper view of revival begins with a proper view of God. Proper view of revival begins with a proper view of God. If you have an incorrect view of God, you're going to have an incorrect view of revival. And let me tell you, there is a lot of incorrect views of revival out there. And there's a lot of incorrect teachings that have seeped in, even into the Pentecostal charismatic circles that, that we're in. And so we need to have an understanding, biblical understanding of who God is in order to understand what God is doing. Number one, we have to understand the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? Well, the basic understanding of the sovereignty of God is that God has a divine right to do whatever he, do, whatever he pleases. Whatever he wants to do, he is God. He is the creator of all things. He spoke all things into existence, and therefore he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. He is God. You ain't. I know that's bad grammar. 
Exodus 33 verse 19 says, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Romans 9.15, Paul quotes this, and he says, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of who? His will, not yours. It's his will, his direction, his plan, not yours. Number two, he is all-powerful. means that there is nothing that he cannot do. He has all power and the ability to do whatever his will is. If his will is that that fig tree is going to be cursed and Jesus walks by that fig tree and says it's cursed, guess what? It's going to shrivel up and die. He has the will and the power to accomplish his will. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In Job chapter 42 verse 2, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Thirdly, God is an all-knowing God. It means he knows the past, he knows the present, he knows the future. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knows every detail of your life before it happens. Isaiah 46.10 says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient of times, things that are not yet done, saying, My, count, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And we know that God is all present. He's present everywhere. He's present everywhere, and we understand that He is everywhere, but there are places where God chooses to manifest His presence in greater, deg greater degrees than others. For example, we know that God's chosen people were the Israelites. So in Israel, his presence was in Israel. His presence was over the whole earth. But he has chosen people, Israel. His presence was in Israel. And it was said that his presence was greater in the city of Jerusalem than it was in Israel. And then his presence was even greater at the temple. And you go further than that into the Holy of Holies was where his manifest Shekinah glory was. And so there are levels, degrees of the presence of God. But he is everywhere. In Jeremiah 23, verse 24, it says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, says the Lord. Job 34, 21 says, For his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all of his steps. So you have to understand these things and have a foundation of these things before you can understand what awakening and what revival is and what it is not. There are several strange teachings, I will say, strange fire that is, has permeated our uh, even Pentecostal circles. I'll talk about just momentarily one being the hyper grace message, meaning that you can live how you want, do what you want, and grace will cover you. That's heresy, friends. That's absolute heresy. We don't live that. Grace is the power of God to transform your life. The effect of grace will cause you to live differently, not to live in sin. It will change your desire. It will change your, your behavior. It causes you to desire the things of God and not the things of the devil or of the world. Then there's this whole teaching, this open theism teaching that's working its way around in the charismatic movement and Pentecostal movement that, that somehow or another, God needs your help. 
I don't really understand that. <laughs> that God needs you to help him decide what he's going to do because he doesn't know. So the future is open to whatever you pray or say because God needs your direction. And so when God hears from you, then he'll make his mind up as to what he's going to do. And then there's the whole health, health, wealth, and prosperity message. I believe in supernatural health, divine health. I believe in healing. I believe in prosperity. And I believe that God wants us to live a blessed life. But if I don't have a million bucks in my bank, I'm okay. I'm okay if I have 10 cents in my bank. It might be rough, but Christ is enough. It doesn't matter how many zeros are on the end of that paycheck, and it doesn't matter what kind of car I drive. It doesn't matter how much I name or claim it, or you're not in some grievous, heinous sin because you got the flu this year. <laughs> and you're, you're, not, <laughs> you're not in sin because you can't seem to get healed from that sickness. I'm sure we've all heard that before. Well, you must be in sin, brother, because you, you know, you're sick. Now listen, I know I realize and I understand that there is such a thing as spirit of infirmity and sickness and there are such things as curses and spiritual darkness uh, and I totally get all that but for you and I as believers the let me just say this the the curse that you live under is determined by what you give authority to. If you're born again, you better not be allowing any curses in your home. It doesn't mean that sickness or disease, those things aren't going to happen. What I'm talking about, and there's a distinct difference between having sickness and having a spirit of sickness or infirmity. There is an absolute difference. There is an absolute difference. And I don't believe that we need to live under the curse. I don't believe we need to live under spiritual darkness or things that are contradictory to the Word of God. But when I get sick, I'm going to believe God for a healing. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to take care of my health. I'm going to proclaim scripture. I'm going to clean my house and drink my fluids. And I'm going to do all that I know to do. I'm going to go to the doctor and get the shot. I'm going to take my medicine and I'm going to swallow it and say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for doctors who have given medication. And I'm going to believe that you're going to heal my body supernaturally or you're going to heal my body by the way of these medications. But one way or the other, I know that you're faithful. You're faithful through the wisdom of the doctors. And I'm going to believe you that these medications are going to have no ill effects on my body when I take them. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. We get super spiritual sometimes. And we, it's like cutting your nose off in spite of your face. And the Lord's provided a way out. Well, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to go to the doctor because, you know, well, I won't start because I don't like doctors either. I'll just say that. I don't like doctors either. But that's not, it's not for a spiritual reason. <laughs> I just don't like doctors. I'm sorry if you're a doctor. It's kind of like people don't like him pastors, you know? It kind of goes both ways. It's probably the same reason. <laughs> They're all trying to get you to be healthy. <laughs> <laughs> 
signs of revival. Let me give you this. I'll give you one of the first signs of revival and I'll, I'll move on and wrap up. Matter of fact, Pastor Grace, why don't you come back to the keys just to help me wrap this up. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll keep going. Signs of revival. These are signs. I've given you some initial signs of revival. These, these signs may occur. This list that I'm going to start going over tonight, and I'll continue on in the coming weeks. Uh, these signs may happen in revival. These things may happen, but they are not biblical signs. They are signs. They're not signs that show us one way or the other whether or not it's a move of God. They're signs. They're things that will happen. Doesn't mean that it's not revival. Doesn't mean that God's not moving. But they're, but they're signs of things that will happen, but they're not signs that we base our decision on whether it's God or not. It could be the spirit of man. It could be the spirit of flesh, the man, carnal nature. It could be the spirit of God at work. Or it could be the spirit of the devil at work. You know, there could be an evil spirit at work. And so we don't base our determination of whether or not there's a move of God based on these signs. We base it on biblical signs, which we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. So I'm going to start with sign one. I'm just going to whet your appetite tonight with sign number uno. Number one is, it is carried on in an unusual and extraordinary way. That, a, that the meetings, revival, whatever is happening is carried on in an unusual or extraordinary way. A church may be used to a very liturgical service. And all of a sudden something happens and the meetings turn extraordinary or unusual. Revival, that's going to happen. In, in an in awakening, in a, in a period of reformation, awakening, revival, things are going to happen where things start looking a little different or unusual. Things might be, seem out of, the, uh, out of the ordinary. We take a look throughout Scripture. There's all sorts of scriptural examples. I mean, you can start on the day of Pentecost. That looked pretty unordinary. So that's, there's, there's no way to determine, though, if that is or isn't. There could be things going on. People can manufacture a service to be unordinary, unusual. So God uses a variety of means to minister to people. Some people are moved with fear. Some people are moved with sorrow. Sometimes there's joy. Sometimes there's crying. All of these things are happening. And it might seem unusual, but that's not a determination for us. We don't look at that and say, well, that was unusual, so therefore it must be revival. No, we need to take a look at a biblical explanation of what's, what's happening. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the temple and he stands up and he starts to read Isaiah. He's doing something that's very normal for them. He quotes from Isaiah. But then the meeting turns a little unusual. He reads Isaiah, pretty normal. But then the meeting goes a little unnormal. And he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. <gasps> what does that mean? Jesus, was he was standing there telling them, I'm the one Isaiah was prophesying about. So the meeting went from usual to unusual very quickly. They, they were ready to kill Jesus at that point, at the very beginning of his ministry. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple for prayer. Normal routine, right? We're going to go pray. Let's go pray. Going to the temple to pray. We're going to the temple to pray. Lame man who's been there forever. All of a sudden, meeting went to be unusual. Lame man gets up, 
You know, the story, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give to you, get up in the name of Jesus, walk. He walks. He does a lot more than walk. And he gets in the, temp, the temple and he's leaping, he's jumping, he's dancing, he's shouting for joy. And what was an ordinary meeting turned very unusual very quickly. So God can do unusual things in a meeting, but that doesn't tell us whether or not it is or is not a work of God. It's a sign but there's biblical signs and we'll get to those signs. So this, that's point number one. I'm going to stop there and you got to keep coming back on Wednesday nights to get the rest of them. So that was a teaser because I, I have six, seven pages of notes. We'll be here for a whole nother hour on the rest of them if we don't stop. So you'll just have to come back. But, uh, but we're going to continue. We're going to take a look at the signs. The, these are what I would say are the indifferent signs, if you will. These are the indifferent signs of a move of God. And then we're going to take a look at the biblical signs. You all enjoy that tonight? Give you some direction here. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for revival. We want to experience all that you have for us. Lord, revive us, Lord God. Will you not revive us in our day, Lord? In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great evening. See you Sunday. See you Saturday at the Easter Outreach. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.